Matthew 1:18-25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and she gave him the name Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. It's, uh, it's Jordan's, it was Jordan's birthday yesterday. This... Uh, this 14-year-old Jordan is one of our outstanding students in Pastor Drew's prime ministry. Thank you, Jordan, for reading. Uh, we've just read about Joseph here in the passage that we just looked at. And I want you this morning to imagine Joseph with me. I want us to reach into the story that we have just read there and actually imagine what's going on. The thoughts are swirling in Joseph's mind. They cause him to toss and turn in his bed. The truth is, he really does love Mary. But now, it's so difficult to understand what is actually going on. Mary is pregnant. It's a brutal, horrible situation, and it's got Joseph all tied up into knots. He doesn't dare tell anyone about it. He knows what they're going to say. Did you hear that Mary is pregnant? I know. Can you believe it? Mary and Joseph should know better. They haven't even had the wedding feast yet. I know. And, and worse, I hear that Joseph isn't even the father. How could she let him down like that? Are you, are you serious? Who's, who's the father? Nobody knows. This whole thing is a disgrace. She and her love child should be stoned. The law demands it. And so Joseph pulls himself up, spends his day in the shop, doing and going about his business as a carpenter. It's the only reasonable thing to do. It's the only reasonable way to keep his mind off this mess. Keep working on solid, tangible things. Make a bench, make a table, make a chair, sturdy Concrete things. But now, at night, as he lays down on his bed, the nightmare of this situation 
confronts him with full force. Joseph sees two options, maybe a distant third. Option number one is to report Mary, to go public. Subject her to the law like the whisperers in the community expect. Yes, their engagement was a binding contract. And yes, the marriage certificate had already been signed. But they had not had the wedding feast yet. And their household hadn't been joined yet. And the law says that wives who sleep with other men should be publicly judged. The punishment, yes. Legally, it's Mary's death by stoning. Deuteronomy 22, verse 24. Bottom line, Mary's pregnant. And it's not Joseph's child, and so it's an open and shut case. But Joseph can't bear it. He loves Mary. He loves her. And so he shudders under his wool blankets as he thinks about the repercussions of it all. Second option is to quietly sign legal papers and end the relationship. Yes, Mary's life will be spared, but their life together is over. It's over. Other men have done it and moved on. It'd be the lesser punishment than death, but still serious nonetheless. Yes, with option number two, at least Joseph keeps himself pure and Mary maybe gets a semblance of grace and mercy in the community. And then there's option number three. (laughs) Ignore the law, ignore God, and go ahead and marry her. But really, it isn't an option at all. See, Joseph's a righteous man. He's a godly man. And he is not one to color outside of the lines. Surely, it'd be a disgrace to God and his favor and honor in the community to go on as if nothing has happened. And so he turns the options over in his mind while he's lying there in his bed. Option number one, stoning, it's inconceivable. He loves Mary. Option number three, abandon the law, it's out of the question. It's out of the question. So it's got to be option number two, a quiet divorce. Quiet divorce. Lying in his bed, when that decision is finally settled, Joseph feels a bit of peace. Relief, maybe? Yes. It's got to be this way. He makes up his mind. He's going to go to Mary the next morning, and he's going to tell her, Mary can spare her life, but their wedding engagement is broken. And their relationship is forever severed. And so lying there, he rehearses that conversation over and over in his mind. And he begins to picture life without Mary. 
Yes. This is the right decision. Joseph's sure of it. And he drifts off to sleep. Light. The brush of an angel. A voice. Fear not. Mary, wife, child, Holy Spirit, Jesus, save the world, Emmanuel. What? Joseph wakes up. He's disoriented. His previous certainty completely drained away. Where is he? What time is it? What just happened? Was that really a heavenly message? Was Joseph not just told the exact opposite thing from that which he had just decided to do before he nodded off? And an uneasiness stirs up deep inside of him. Joseph is trying to do the right thing. God, you want me to do what? Now, of course, I'm taking some liberties <laughs> to the passage that we just read here this morning. Verse 24 that Jordan just read, it says only this. This is how it reads. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary home as his wife. <laughs> Now, I suppose, church, that it is entirely possible that Joseph woke up from his angelic haze and he stretched out and he wiped the sleepies from his eyes and he stroked his beard, imagine a beard, stroked his beard, and he said, whew, what a relief, man, I was, I was going to have a nice, comfortable, anonymous life, but now I get to raise an illegitimate child as my own who is apparently the Son of God. Thank you, Yahweh. I'll carry on now. It's possible <laughs> that Joseph's thought process went like this, but I highly doubt it. You do too. Because like you, I know what it's like to be a person who has made a big decision in life and to work it all out and resolve to move forward. But then God interrupts us. Am I alone this morning? I don't think so. You know what it's like to be intent on determining how your life is going to go and then to hear someone or something from heaven and your first reaction is, God, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> you've got to be kidding. We've imagined Joseph here for the first little bit. Now I want you to imagine me, Mike Tapper, as an 18-year-old. Can you do that with me? <laughs> 
feel free this morning to imagine how awkwardly gangly I must have looked at 18. You can make jokes about the skinny person all the time, right? (laughs) Most people in the uh, town that I grew up in would probably have said I was a pretty good kid. Grew up in a farming community just outside of Ottawa, a little community called North Gore. And I worked on a local farm uh, for most of my teenage years. I did all right in school. I attended church with my family growing up for most of my teenage years, and I was fairly involved in the church youth group there at the church that I attended. And then at 18, 17 or 18, it was uh, time for me to make some big decisions uh, in my life. There are some teenagers up in that top area, up in the balcony, who are making some of those very, very same decisions here right now. What do I do with my life? Where do I go to university? What do I study? What path should I follow? No one in my family had ever completed a university degree, and I wanted to be the first one. I was going to be an engineer. That's what I was going to be. And so I applied to the University of Ottawa's engineering program, and shocker of shocks, I actually got accepted. I had made the cut, I was going to be an engineer. I was going to help establish the physical infrastructure of the universe. (laughs) We have some engineers here today. I wanted to be just like you. Uh, A smart, contributing, structure-building, number-crunching public citizen except for that persistent nudge. I couldn't shake it. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't have a dream like uh, Joseph, but I will tell you this morning that I had a knot in my gut one August morning on my way to church. It's entirely possible that you had that very same knot as you drove here this morning. See, God was breaking into my plans with another idea. Bible school? Kingswood? New Brunswick? Great great province. I just lost you, man. Leave my family. (laughs) And friends, on that August Sunday morning, a week before University of Ottawa classes began, I ended up on my knees at the front of a church, tears streaming down, emptying myself of all of my plans and all of my dreams and embracing God's plan for my life. And church, it is happening again and again. And it's happening in your life. It's happening. I know it because I know some of your stories. It's happening in your life, isn't it? And if it hasn't happened, maybe today is your day. If it is, you'll be right there with Joseph. When heaven invades your life, 
and takes one good look at your well-laid-out plans and says, not so much. <laughs> In fact, if you, if you read this book, you will recognize that this is exactly and actually a reoccurring theme. We know that Abram and Sarai, for example, they were way, way too old to have children. Plain and simple, facts of life. It was so out of the question that the mere introduction of this idea sent Sarai into a fit of ridiculous laughter in Genesis chapter 18, verse 12. And we know that Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of Israel, was once so discouraged in 1 Kings chapter 19 that he prayed for his own death. And he laid himself down in the middle of the wilderness to die. And of course, you remember Jonah. He makes up his mind, and nobody's going to change it. He is not going to go to Nineveh, like God has commanded, and so he books a one-way ticket in the opposite direction. And we know that Paul, called Saul, was so committed to religious piety and so persuaded that the way that pesky band of Jesus followers was a danger to the true faith, so much so that he committed himself to have these Christians rounded up and tortured and put to death. That was their strategy. That was their plan. But catch this, Moncton Wesleyan Church. In each and every case, each one of these people had a plan. And in each and every case, God broke in and confronted their expectations. And so Sarai had a child named Isaac. And Elijah lived, and he spoke, and he trained Elisha. And Jonah, he went on to Nineveh, and it says that the whole city was transformed. And Paul went on to become the greatest evangelist in the early church. An irony of ironies wrote about the glory of suffering, imprisonment, and torture for the name of Christ. And Joseph took Mary to be his wife and raised Jesus, his son, also the savior of the world. Do you see it? Each of these people had a plan. They carved it all out in their minds. They resolved to follow a certain path. And each of them was interrupted by God. And don't miss this, church. Interrupted by a God whose purposes go beyond our human dreams and whose grace and love, we've just sung about it this morning, whose love explodes the capacities of our hearts and minds. A God who disrupts our best laid out plans and thrusts us, like thrusts us into a bold 
new future. Can I ask really candidly this morning, is the Holy Spirit speaking to some of you and interrupting your plans? Is he interrupting your plans this morning? For some of you, as I have prepared this week, I have a sense that he is this morning. Maybe you're here this morning in Joseph's style. You need to empty yourself. Joseph had to let go of his fear. Are some of you here burdened by fear? Joseph had to let go of the villagers' voices and stares. Are some of you crippled here this morning and paralyzed by what others think about you? Joseph had to let go of his doubts and his questions. What causes you doubt today? What questions do you have? And he had to let go of his own reputation, church, and his own standing in the community. And friends, which with each painful letting go, as Joseph emptied himself, I am convinced that he was able to gain a clearer sense of God's perfect, yes, dangerous, but loving, adventurous plan him. Is this message for you this morning? Is this message for you? Maybe hard for some of you to hear or believe this morning, but I want to remind you on this third week of Advent 2016 that God really loves you. God really loves you. And he wants what's best for you. God really and truly wants what's best for for you. Friends, God's perfect plan is bigger than you and I can even imagine. And and God's love is greater than anything in our minds. It's why he came. It's why he came. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us. It's why the angel crashes in on Joseph. Why Emmanuel, God with us. It's why God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, came into my life and threw me for a loop in 1994 in August. Emmanuel, God with us. It's why God is speaking to some of you this morning and placing a tiny, tiny little seed which down the road will lead, catch this, to a major course correction in your life. Emmanuel, God with you. God loves you. And he loves you with a love that can be seen and heard and touched. Are you being interrupted by God this morning? Empty yourself. Empty yourself. The story of Joseph this morning, it reminds us that 
our loving God invites us to enter into those conversations that we have in our minds late at night when we're lying in our bed. Are there things this morning that are keeping you closed off to God breaking into your life? If there is, get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Is it fear? Is it guilt? Is it resentment? Is it anger? Is it the villagers' voices and stares? Is it the thoughts this morning that you're not good enough? How could God use me? Is it doubts of God's presence? Is it loneliness and sorrow? Empty yourself. Empty yourself before you leave today. During the last song, a prayer at the front, a conversation that you have after this service, a phone call that you have later this week. Create space, my friends. Create space and openness and opportunity for God to speak. It'll clear the air for you to hear God's voice. And church, as you do that, and as we close, a brief word of warning. Don't be surprised if what you actually hear from God compels you to say, God, are you serious? <laughs> God, you want me to do what? Turn the other cheek? <laughs> Sell some of my stuff? Give up pornography? Deny myself? Take up my cross? God, you've got to be kidding. You want me to give to the poor in a down economy? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. You've got to be kidding. You want me to show hospitality to the immigrant? You want me to love Justin Trudeau? Pray for Donald Trump. You want me to treat the fentanyl addict as a child of God? The bully in my class? The gay guy? The gender-confused teen? The woman on St. George Street? family member who drinks too much and ruins Christmas every year? The obnoxious jerk at my office? You've got to be kidding, God. Love them? You want me to go where? You want me to do what? Church, how might God be bursting things open for you? and moving you in a different direction this Christmas 2016. Is it a career change? A degree change? A change of priorities? What is it? What is it? I want you to think about it. How might God 
take you off the map in 2017 into something wilder and deeper and frankly more interesting than you could ever plan yourself. How might you once again discover the great love of God that we're singing about this morning? Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with you. Is God interrupting you today? Empty yourself. Empty yourself. We're going to sing a song in closing. Son of God, Son of Man. If you're here this morning and you've got that nudge, you've got that knot, don't ignore it. It's real. It's real. Here's what it is. It's heaven speaking to you. And I encourage you to respond to it this morning. Maybe as a a sign of your commitment. Maybe that means coming to the front of this church here this morning, just like I did in August 1994. Surrendering your plans, whatever your plans specifically are. Back then... for me and supported me and wanted to uh, walk with me as I made my uh, did my best to try to make sense of what was going on and if you want to be prayed here prayed for here this morning there will be people here too who will pray for you don't miss this opportunity church if God is speaking to you if God is interrupting your plans respond spot. Empty yourself. Let's stand and let's sing and let's respond to a God who loves us.